We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. episode 345 of the Win in 6 podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep podcast network and the Blue Wire podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, it's my very good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm glad to hear it. I'm also doing well, and I'm very excited for today's episode. We are continuing... And um, what's proving very popular, I don't know if I don't know the numbers of people listening, Jordan. You know, it's it's off season, Packers season has started, but there's a very high Did approval it? rating. Well, that's a good <laughs> that's a good point. Unfortunately, I am now a Packers fan, and I watch that. And you know, should I watch other games? That's for another time. But we're hearing really, really good, positive feedback from those listening. Not to put any pressure on today's guest. Um, and we're going to continue in that vein. We're doing something that we've done once before, I believe, in the Win 6 podcast, which is the very rare podcast across three continents. You know, we're really going for it here. We are bringing on a former guest on the show, good friend of ours for many, many years on Books Twitter, a former contributor on Behind the Book Pass, our friend Tim Ray. Tim, how are you doing? Everything's in Australia. Yeah, it's great to be back. Um, thanks, Adam. Thanks, Jordan, for having me back. As we were just saying before, it's the first time I've been on since uh, playoff thon against Toronto in, what was that, 2016-17? So it's, let's just say that a lot of reversal of fortunes are all involved there. <laughs> yeah, all, including Tom, unfortunately. Did you think next time you'd be back, it would be for, like, Tom leveling up? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure which one I was on, whether it was we just lost the series or it was... 
like one of those insane breakout games he had in Toronto. Oh, I say breakout. We know what happens now, but um, yeah, I, I believed in Playoffthon, which certainly became a myth, a bit of a meme among the franchise. But yeah, no, it's all good fun. Yeah, I mean, I think we all believed in Playoffthon to some extent, uh, more so than some other players that have, I guess, got the playoff billing. Ton had his moments, you know. No one can ever take <laughs> the Celtics away from him. No. And I have a feeling we may end up talking a little bit more about that game and some of the other key characters in those plays and some of some of the key moments from that game. Because we're going to talk championship with you, of course. We're going to get to that like we have with all of our past guests. But we want to go on the book's journey with you, Tim. And I'm really interested in this one. I'm excited for this one. Because it's very rare that I also get to talk to another international books fan and be like, why are you a books fan? Now, in your case, I think this might be a little bit more straightforward, but let's see. <laughs> Tim, why are you a books fan? Yeah, so my grandfather moved from Australia to Milwaukee in the mid-90s, which is obviously, it's a very weird place to go. Um, but he worked in aviation and he worked at uh, Mitchell Um working on private planes and whatnot. So over that sort of next decade or so, he would send back all the sports gear with like Christmas gifts and birthday gifts. And it'd just sort of be like, he just send it. It didn't matter who it was for, but then everybody in my family ended up with Packers gear, Brewers gear, Bucks stuff. Um, particularly that sort of nineties, uh, like Looney Tunes inspired Packers stuff. <laughs> those gray t-shirts. Like we had a ton of those. Um, I had bed sheets with those on it. Or like when they had like, I think there was like final stuff, you know, how like or this year where they had like the Mickey Mouse and stuff like that. They had that yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, we had tons of that, particularly Packers, because obviously with Brett Favre, that sort of run in the, the late 90s, um, that was probably the most. Actually, it yeah, it was pro- sort of weird twist of fate, I guess, because Bucks was probably the least, uh, probably had the least Bucks stuff, that sort of the purple Reeboks. Um, but yeah, I didn't really. Um, still regardless of having the gear i didn't really get into basketball for probably another 10 years or so there um once sort of 10 years i wonder what happened 10 years (laughs) from then we'll get to that well that's actually that might that's one of the funnier things um i was actually in milwaukee uh when andrew bogut was supposed to debut for the bucks and we didn't go we went to a brewers game because it wasn't basketball wasn't on the radar really uh for me um, obviously, I was a religious cricket fanatic at that time, and obviously, baseball sure. is the, the natural uh, extension there. That um, makes sense. So, yeah, but anyway, as I sort of through high school got more into basketball itself, so my friends were watching the NBA and, and whatever, I started to take note. And then the Bucks were ob- the, already had the gear, like, um, they were sort of the natural choice, albeit a terrible, terrible uh, team for forever, basically. Um, so, yeah, because this was long after 2001, um, we're talking Bogut Bucks and, and beyond. Um, so, yeah, started getting into the NBA probably like 2008, 2009, um, really uh, eight seed or bust Bucks uh, mm. sort of territory there. Um, but, yeah, I guess the, the choice was sort of made for me already. Um, and also just to be something different because obviously you don't get a lot of Bucks fans in Australia. Um, a lot of it is, as you would expect, sort of Celtics, Lakers, Bulls. Um, sure. Le- LeBron, particularly at that time. Um, so yeah, it was just the guy wearing Bucks gear. I was gonna, I was gonna ask about that. First of all, you've blown my mind. I don't think I knew that's your your Bucks origins. I just, 
lazily, very lazily assumed. <laughs> oh, Australian books fans, you know, you say you don't get many, but there are actually in a relative sense. Actually, yes, we have a high representation. <laughs> yeah, over the years, but not at the time that you got your first introduction. Um, I I get that completely. It's the same thing that even though now I could go to like any sports store and there'd be books jerseys here in Ireland. That yep. was not the case. If there was anything NBA, it was, as you said, Celtics, Lakers, Bulls. That was it. So I did not know of the personal connection, the family connection to Milwaukee. So what was that like as a young kid? You're getting like, were you, was there a fight? I don't, do you have siblings or what way did this work? You, you said like, a lot of the Packers gear was maybe going elsewhere. So were you kind of finding yourself with the books gear and being, you know, this this only kid in Australia <laughs> going to school, playing with your friends, and you're in Milwaukee books gear? Where Dan Gadzarich jerseys. <laughs> well, a lot of that was between uh, sort of my, my dad and my uncle would sort of divvy right. out between themselves who'd get like the... The, the Favre jersey and who'd be wearing the Buck stuff. Um, okay. I was sort of somewhat more limited um, in that respect. But even like my interest in, in basketball at that time was so non-existent. Like I remember my, my grandfather sent, it, sent me out like pump up Reeboks. And I, I didn't, I'd never wore them. We like ended up just giving them away. Like um, that was as much as sort of Australian basketball has, has come on in the last 10 years. It was very much a, and, to some extent still is just a, somewhat of a periphery sport here. Um, because yes, I, I knew about Andrew Bogut. remember seeing it on the news sort of around draft time, but it's not like the local outlets would even at that stage report on every Bucks mm-hmm. game because he was in it. Um, that sort of came much later uh, in that sort of period. It was very hard uh, to, to track down games, especially live, but even at all. Um a lot of it was just sort of box scores in, in the papers if you if you were following at that, at that period of time and trying to track down like highlights tapes. I know a lot of people older than me have talked about that. Okay, that's that's definitely... Um, I'm, I'm really happy I asked that question because I feel like even with people from Milwaukee, it's like, I'm talking to people, I'm like, I know this person's from Milwaukee. I know they're from Wisconsin. I'm like, why are you a books fan? But we've generally got interesting answers. So even there was more to yours than I was expecting and I thought there might have been a little bit extra there. Yeah. What's your earliest books memory? So as in specific books memory, I mean, for you, awareness of what the books were probably then predates you having actual memories or yeah. knowing anything of the team bar what their logo looked like or what their colors were. Yeah. So it, yeah, like you said, in that sense, um, like I even had like a NBA Lego set that had a, I found out later it had a purple Ray Allen. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, as I said, I started sort of, I guess it sort of gradually developed. So I'd started taking note of like the, remember like those minute 30, 90 second uh, highlight clips on NBA.com. Yeah, um, I remember them well. Like this the is, game this is how I came to the NBA yeah. too. They were, sort of, they were like in 144p. You couldn't really yeah. decipher. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just like watching the standings each day, because obviously as well, given time zone for me, um, particularly when I was at high school, like it, you can't, yeah. you can't watch the league live. Um, even even in spite of like I said the sort of difficulties uh, broadcast wise, um, so that and I mean that's still to this day for a lot of high school kids you can only really watch it on the weekend, um, if at that. So yeah, I sort of had that um, sort of those in mind. Um, I remember one Sunday I can't remember what year it was maybe oh eight oh nine nine ten uh, the Bucks just happened to be on 
free-to-air TV, and there's a big moment because the Bucks are never on TV. Um, and sort of, I'd have to wait like months and months and months to see the Bucks live. Um, and it was this random game that nobody's going to remember. But Ursan hit a final second logo three to send the game to overtime. And that's just, I remember that. I'll remember that forever because um, it was just one of my first interactions watching a Bucks game live. Um, and Ursan pulls out a, a logo three. That's, uh, I'm honestly, I, I fully relate to every bit of this. This reminds me so much of my own entry to the NBA. I, the idea, I mean, Jordan, do you know what we're talking about when we talk about the 90 second clips that were on NBA.com? You maybe don't because you never had to. I've seen them like retros, like, or after the fact. Right, okay. Like, these were the scraps that I remember having to feed off of. Like, pre-league past days, where I'm sure it was the same for you, Tim, as you said, that, you know, the books could occasionally end up on TV. But, I mean, a lot of my time growing up, like, in terms of, um, there'd be no Irish broadcaster of NBA, so it'd be who's the UK broadcaster. And if there was someone, you're talking super limited games. Uh, and then again, time zones be a problem. So I remember when I first started to be like, oh yeah, the NBA, I kind of like this. I want to know more exactly as you described. It's, you know, day to day. It's been like, okay. In my case, it was the Hawks at that point. The Hawks played last night. Let me go watch 90 seconds to really have a feeling (laughs) of how that game was and to watch standings day to day. And my own like standout memory of the thing that finally like I'd had dalliances with the NBA but the thing that got me like over the edge was a Jamal Crawford uh, buzzer beater in overtime in a Hawks Suns game which I was just like this game is insane so I I again completely relate to the idea of um, just imagine like if I'm a big basketball fan now if my first exposure had been an Ursan did you say it was from from half court it was on the uh, granted the Kings logo was oversized but he was was touching oh yeah I'm calling it from half court. If it's from below, that's a crazy. I mean, to your point about not seeing the Bucks on you know Australian TV, Bucks Kings on Australian TV in 2009. I don't know Kevin Kevin Martin or you know be like that's that's pretty rare. That could even be like a quirk of timing, right? At that point, Tim, like just schedule wise, it suits whatever the weekly slot might have been, or yeah, it just happened to line up. Um, Australia's had a pretty mixed history with like. Uh, at one point, there were seemingly more games on live um, on free-to-air, but then it's gone back to cable, in which we now get like the entire national, or I say entire, maybe 95% of the national slate. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Bucks feature more now. Um, but yeah, like you said, it just happened to be, it was a Saturday night game, so it was sort of Sunday lunchtime, um, just just sort of fit. Um, and like, as, remembering now, maybe the Bucks were on a bit more, but it, that sort of hit the, the two out of seven days a week, I could probably catch it. Um, yeah. So not to put words in your mouth here, but also to put words in your mouth. When people <laughs> ask me how I came to the books, the answer is always as a patchouli, which leaves people, you know, I was asked this on, on Milwaukee radio, not that long ago. It's like, yeah, it's Giannis is the reason. Was, it's like, no, the reason is actually Zaza Pachulia. So for you, Tim, <laughs> People are probably like, yeah, so it's Andrew Bogut. And you're like, no, it's Ursan Ilyasova. Ursan and the, the greatest shot of his career that nobody remembers. <laughs> Actually, well, when I'll I was thinking about this as well, um, 
I remember just checking the box score one day, and Ursan had like 29 and 25. I remember this too. That was we a must... Nets game, right? Like tw- It was like the strike season, like 2012. Yeah. I feel yeah. like he had multiple 20 rebound games. Just added, like, no, obviously I didn't watch him, but like. Around the time he signed the contract that was considered mega at the time. He was like, I'm going to call him a double-double machine, and that really means he might have had 12 in the season. <laughs> but that's what it felt like. I was not a Bucks fan, but he was a player that any time the Hawks would play him at that point, I'd be like, ooh, you know, got to watch out for Ursan. Because his mid-range game was was absolutely dialed in at that point, and he was just a menace on the boards, which, to be fair, even in more recent years, he still has this really weird knack for occasionally being. Not night to night, but every now and then you're like, oh, look at Ursa with like six tip ins. <laughs> Jordan, you look like you're searching. Trying for, to find I'm for trying the most to legendary Ursa box score you can possibly find. Mm. There's going to be so many that it's going to be hard to narrow it down. Yeah. We'll buy you a little bit of time. Who was your first book's favorite? Who was the, the player that to you you're like, this is my guy? Is this more simple? Is this, this Bogan? Is the, yeah, this is Bogan. Okay. Um, particularly, uh, obviously pre-arm injury where it was really. I was gonna, like... I was gonna ask you to put a, a date on this because yeah. obviously you go through your first book's heartbreak with this. Yeah, that's an absolute low point. Um, because it's and I was sort of uh, spoken about this after the fact too. He was on the he was on a trajectory, particularly offensively, um, to to be like a, an all star probably at. Mm-hmm. At minimum, I would have said um, third team All NBA in that season that he did um, snap the arm. Um, but I mean, I guess over time he f- he found his role on one of the greatest teams of all time. Bucks ended up getting their ring, so it all sort of worked out in the end. But um, <laughs> it's weird how that works. But um, yeah, I remember at the time it's and I guess it was <laughs> when you talk to people about the Bucks, it'd be particularly in Australia, it'd be the first thing that people brought up. Um, Maybe not necessarily as dialed in, knowing that how how good he he was looking and sort of the, as I said the trajectory he was on, um, but it was certainly a that was something that made the news with with Bogut certainly. And for him becoming kind of a a player that you really looked to, what what is it you remember of? Because we probably have people listening who never watched any pre-injury Bogut. I say that as if I watched a ton of pre-injury Bogut, which I did not. I saw bits and pieces here and there. But what about his game at that point, aside from, you know, you know the, the nationality? Um, <laughs> was it that was standing out to you? Like, I don't think you're wrong in mentioning he was, he was going to be a, a kind of probably a multiple, like four or five time all-star kind of center. Like, maybe not oh, this is one of the three most dominant centers in the NBA, but the kind of player who's really, really, really good on both ends. And it's going to be difficult to kind of shift him out of an all-star team from year to year. Yeah. Well, obviously, he still retained a lot of sort of his defensive prowess. Um, I particularly, my favorite part of his game has always been his ability to to sort of move the ball. Very Mm -hmm. skilled for a big man um, and sort of, it was somewhat early in, in terms of like that sort of the, the era now of, of big men asked to, to sort of be move the ball around. Um, but I think you look back to like college tapes of him and, and he's shooting threes. Um, 
I believe also he's or he's spoken about this that his sort of free throw routine and his ability to shoot was just never the same after the injury, and maybe that's probably the biggest maybe um, setback probably from from that. Um, but yeah, like I said, um, it's not it's not completely all bad, and I'm glad that it sort of worked out for him. Um, obviously, he played big roles on the Australian national team as well, um, so it was great to see that. Um, it's a shame he wasn't in Tokyo. Yeah, he just kind of missed the boat on that one, and that was unfortunate for him. In terms of, in terms of that time, so I'm guessing, and I this would be not that anything like an actual NBA player, let alone a first overall pick from Ireland, has happened anytime recently. It to me, the trajectory of how that would be covered would feel very similar to, you know, draft night. That's a big deal. Um, maybe. Like, first game as a pro, that's a big deal. Then it probably goes pretty quiet for a while and you pick up in and out. But in those early points, like, was it something that, whether it's awareness of Bogut or awareness of the books, you start to you start to feel that growing? I, I know you mentioned the injury being something that people certainly knew about when that came around. But was it something, too, that along the way, just a little bit more interest, a little bit more attention picked up? Um, and I guess even if it's not the books, like, do you think, obviously, there's been a whole wave of Australian players, but is Bogut and his arrival in the NBA, is that really the start of the current surge in interest? And I guess the current surge that ultimately ends up with an Olympic medal, like, for that generation of players? Yeah, I think so. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people would trace it back to Luke Longley on on the mm-hmm. Jordan Bulls, um, but I think there was that sort of similar issues that people had, which is funny to think about given it's you know, it was the Jordan Bulls that you just couldn't watch the games. You'd hear about it in the paper and, and stuff. So it is sort of limiting to, to follow in that sense. But you're absolutely right that Bogut started the sort of, what well, we call them the, the golden generation of Australian players. Um, this team, uh, the, these guys that have, have moved heaven and earth to play for the national, make themselves available for the national team, which is, it's a pretty rare thing in basketball. Um, certainly bringing more of a, an international football culture to, to that. Um but yeah, like you said, Bogut certainly, and a lot of people will say that that's that he was their introduction to, to the NBA. Um, certainly from an Australian point of view. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I've got a mischievous grin on my face. I think Jordan yeah. might know what it's about. <laughs> I gonna, like, I, I think another first overall just pick. Just gonna divert uh... this somewhere for a minute, because just because I never actually get to talk with an Australian about this. So you have had this great generation of players who have moved heaven and earth to play for Australia, and there is a very notable player. There's a big who, omission. Uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, doesn't seem to be moving very much at all yeah. in an attempt to play for Australia. But does still very team. much... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good point. But he does also, maybe I'm wrong on this, you pick up, like, he's someone who, right, he could technically, not that he seems like he's going to have to worry about this anytime soon, have decided at some point, actually, he's got dual nationality, right? He could play for the US. Am I right Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he probably could. Yeah. Um, But he, he seems to, whenever... He, he likes to talk up the Australia of it all without actually going and playing for Australia. So whether you want to speak for yourself or your country, I'll leave that up to you, Tim. <laughs> but what's what's the current feeling on Ben Simmons, um, knowing that you're speaking to someone whose opinion of Ben Simmons is not very high? I think it's somewhat soured. Uh, the fact that over the, certainly the last couple of national campaigns, it's been sort of flip-flopping over whether he's going to play. And then supposedly the the group are fine with it. Obviously, Paddy Mills is an incredible leader and the way he speaks mm-hmm. about stuff like this is so impressive. And he has spoken about this saying that, you know, they want Ben to play. Um, they're fine if he doesn't. And supposedly they're on good terms. Um, so maybe a lot of sort of the bad blood that people think is happening is, is not so much. Um, but certainly, yeah, the, over the last couple of years, the, the sentiment in Australia towards Simmons has, has changed somewhat. Um, I think... Probably doesn't help for me, given that he's on the sixes. Yeah, um, for that's sure. always there's always been a bit of a um, sort of love hate thing there. When Giannis um, is calling him a baby and he's yeah. not showing up to play for Australia, you know, <laughs> your feelings probably get less complicated. It actually there's a bit of clarity, I guess. Yeah, um, I've always like this is a side note, but I've always sort of been worried about when he eventually play for the national team, just given how that'd work. Um, because Australia probably don't have the, the shooters to surround him, albeit mm-hmm. when Simmons gets to the international level, there's probably only a couple of teams you need to worry about where he isn't just ridiculous talent level over them where it doesn't matter. Um, but I've also I've sort of always been worried about that. Um, but yeah, to answer your initial question, there certainly has been a change. Um, and I'm almost at a point where I don't really care, <laughs> to be honest. If, if I don't think about it, yeah. then it doesn't matter. Yeah, and, and I also think, like when you say the like the players and the team are fine with it. Yeah, I've I've no doubt that they are and they should be because he's not showing up. It's like you do, it's kind of you don't have to worry about it. It's like yeah, it's he's he might as well be like a make-believe figure. Um but I know as a fan, um 
not to really derail us, I've had not exactly the same, but as an an Irish football and Irish soccer fan, we've we've had quite a bit of this recently where it's like these names, I don't know if these names will mean anything to either of you, um, but Jack Grealish and Declan Rice, who both played yep. for Ireland that you know, all trip the ranks at underage level and then gets to the senior squad and they're like, Yeah, let's go play for England. It's like, oh, thanks for that. That's great. We're just gonna draw one all with Azerbaijan over here and we hope <laughs> you have fun in the final of the Euros. You know, so um that's sure always that... maybe that is why in my mind I feel like at some point this was always gonna end up with Simmons playing for USA. But little did I know when I started thinking that that he's really not very good at basketball but anyway we, I, I didn't expect to talk with Ben Simmons but when you mentioned guys moving heaven and earth to play for Australia I couldn't resist well I'll, I'll just add to that as well after the recent Tokyo campaign we've had the emergence in Australia of Matisse Thibel he chose to play for Australia and that mm. has been a revelation that has made a lot of people for, forget about the whole Ben Simmons um like we got our sixer on the boomers um, nice. but yeah Thibel was incredible at the, at the Olympics, like game changing defensively was a huge reason why they ended up winning a medal. Um, and probably not playing him more against the U S probably meant that went the other way. Um, sure. particularly after having such a big lead where it was looking like, looking like it might actually happen. Um, but yeah, just, I think that as well has probably contributed to sort of the Simmons sentiment. Um, yeah, it didn't look great as well, probably, uh, during the Olympics that Simmons was seen working on his game at Wimbledon. Um, but, but yeah, as I said, it's something that it's sort of, you know, if it if it happens, great. I think ultimately he's the big loser, though, right? I mean, it's I he could have so, had yeah. an Olympic medal. Like, he's got to wait four years, and he's going to, one, the Australian team will have lost some key players by then, possibly, or they're at least at the tail end of their career. Yeah. Um. We like. We, who knows what Ben Simmons is in four years? Literally, I have no idea. You could put that on the two extreme ends of the scale, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I guess that's possible." Um. So he's the loser out of it, and you know what? Maybe, maybe it's, if he wants out, his trade value could have been pumped up if he'd helped Australia go even further, and oh, you yeah. had a really had yeah. a really strong Olympics. So. You guys got your medal, which I was very happy to see because I've been a regular watcher over the years. I've had these multiple tournaments tuning in for Delhi and Tom um, to, to cover them at the site. So I've always, I felt like I was part of this journey for quite a while. Um, and I I saw clearly through the likes of yourself and many others on Books Twitter just how much a medal meant, just a chance to get a medal out of this group. So it was very, very cool to see that you finally got that. The low point of your fandom, then, we've tipped our hat to it, I'm sure. Or maybe not. Maybe there is. I mean, the books have given you, in the years you've been a fan of the books, they've given you some options. But what would you consider to be the absolute nadir of your Milwaukee Books fandom? I mean, yeah, we've spoken about the, the Bogan arm injury. That's certainly one. Um, but I think taking this another way, given that the Bucks had only really been terrible or worse spot in the NBA being the eighth seed and no chance of sort of progressing in the playoffs for most of my like active fandom. I think probably the low points for me were sort of those near misses. So losing the Eastern conference finals to the Raptors where it, you were just sure that the bucks were going to do it. I know mm-hmm. you guys have spoken about that a lot. Um, there's a moment in, in game three with 
what is it, like eight seconds left. Shot clock off. Bucks down two. Chris Middleton takes the shot. If he makes that, the Bucks are probably going to the finals. Who knows sure. what happens with the Warriors? Like it could have happened two two years earlier. So after that, I thought about that a lot. Um, that that was certainly <laughs> a low point. And then after the bubble as well, um, hard not to, you know, looking like the best team in the league before the pandemic hits, and then everything just wasn't right in the bubble. And then you you know you're asking these questions: How many times are you going to get this chance at contention? Um, and I sort of asked myself that after every every time, you know, they're out they're out of the playoffs. That's where we were asking a year ago around this yeah. time. But yeah. you know what I mean? That's where we were. <laughs> I don't honestly, I don't know. I'd have Wild. to think about this. Maybe maybe at the end of this, Jordan, we'll have to actually do these episodes just us, where you ask me the questions, I ask you the questions. Cause some of these I need to think about. Like I just think the bubble was so bad that I was just like, I don't know, maybe I went into denial. Uh, I definitely stopped writing about the team for quite a while. I went on my hiatus. And yeah, I guess maybe that means it's the low point. But also, it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot from the strike to everything else. And, you know, all of the expectations that built up, built up, built up. Will the season resume? Will they get a chance to win this title? They're surely going to win. Look at how good they are. How could they not win it? To then come back at Disney World. And for it to go the way it did and not everything that happened the way it did is just, yeah. I, their, I season, think... their season ended and Marvin Williams immediately retired. Kyle Corner was like, I don't know, I, I think we're going to... It was like, okay, everybody's leaving. It was like this complete disillusion. Kyle Corver went on hiatus too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Yana says the stuff about he sees... he When he sees a wall, he wants to run through it. It's like... That's great. That's great. What does it mean? You know, like all the, it was just like. Thomas also says like, he would never do that again. So, you know, yeah. if, if, it, if they decided that's how they were doing the season, which uh, I don't think a lot of people agreed with Giannis, but yeah. Dark, dark uh, times. But, you know, from the darkness, something, something beautiful eventually kind of appeared. What before the championship? So there's obviously plenty of contenders this season. But if we were to go back before that, what's your favorite game or your favorite moment as a Bucks fan over the years? Is there something that I guess uh, the the inverse of that stands out to you where you're like, okay, that's the moment I had the most hope or that's the moment I got the most joy from? I mean, if we can put aside uh, Rashad Vaughn at Summer League. We're um, definitely putting that aside. <laughs> he's only 71 points away from the all-time record. I just... And he could come back every year, and I'm not sure he'd get it now. It's doable. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, before the top, maybe 24 and 1. Like, I don't have that 2001 experience. Mm-hmm. So that sort of game against the Warriors felt like the Bucks NBA Finals for that year. Um, and I know it's a, so in some respects, a fluky regular season game the Warriors didn't really care about. Eventually, they were going to lose. Um, but I think it's, yeah, that that was pretty cool at the time. Um, in terms of like a game in in that in that regard, um, certainly like moments wise, obviously Giannis jumping over Tim Hardaway, incredible. Um, and then for me specifically in person, um, I went to see a game in sort of late twenty seventeen, Bucks Jazz. Um, a, uh, yeah, like garbage time. Bucks are just dribbling it out. Giannis decides, okay, I'm going to go and dunk on Gobert. Um, and you know, I was 
several drinks into the, into them, but I just I had no control. I just audibly yelled, watching him dunk on Gobert uh, when it seemed like the game was all but over. I was about to leave. Well, that's also that's a game for you. Did you plot around that? Because obviously some Australian interest there too. Yeah, um, I basically. So I've been to a, yeah, a couple of Bucks games on a couple of trips um, for, for that one specifically. Yeah, um, I sort of wait for the NBA schedule to come out and then sort of decide where I'm going based on the Bucks. Um, Ready Aussie so I, bowlers. Well, yeah. Well, I saw Giannis nearly murder Aaron Baines in Boston. Uh, one, uh-huh. of those, one of those attempts. Um, yeah, I went Boston, Milwaukee a couple of games and then down to Houston um, to see, I think Sterling Brown started on James Harden. I mean that's the problem when you when you're um when you're projecting you know you're deciding you're going to go to these games months in advance um you end up was with that these. late in the twenty eighteen nineteen season I think uh or was like sort kid? of no early ish yeah kid uh early oh, right. before he was fired yeah um, seventeen eighteen early seventeen eighteen that's um, wow that's an interesting one um twenty four and twenty four and one is I, I get that. I that season was so grim. Um yep. that was our Especially at that point in the season two. Like that's the point where Kid honestly was driving me insane, uh, possibly Jordan and uh, the larger fan base. Like that's the point where it really starts to. It, it might not come to a head for another full year, but at that point it's like, okay, things are things are not going great. The bloom was already off the rose. Yeah, the the idea of, oh, look at what they did to the defense the year before and the turnaround from worst season ever too, and you're like, oh no, this team is <laughs> this team is bad. The the NBA has found out the gimmick and there is just there is no counter to it, there's no response. They look like a team out of ideas. They've got, you know, Greg Monroe, big free agent signings here. Moose is gonna deliver them to the promised land and no. And then that Warriors game comes around. And honestly, even from that season, the game that sticks out to me more is the second Warriors game where it's like mm. they go and it's ultra competitive and it ends up with OJ squaring up with Draymond, right? It was Draymond after the game. And he gives a really fiery interview after it too. Um, I feel like I was... My memory of that is, and I'd have to go and check the dates, but it was like a mid-December-ish... I think it was only like a week or two after the 24. They were very close. I think that was the beginning of December. But my memory of that is being up through the night to watch um, Bucks Warriors on the West Coast, which is, that is a late one. And that finished at like 6 a.m. And I was... Oh, it was only only six days after. What's the date? Am I right on where I'm going to go with the story? 24-1 was uh, December 12th, 2015. The... Game at Golden State was December eighteenth, twenty fifteen. Yes. Okay. I remember I that right game then. being more competitive as well. Um, yeah, Warriors I mean, won by nine, but it was it was super it, competitive. They outscored yeah. the Bucks thirty six to nineteen in the fourth, so it was down to that. I remember yeah. basically getting an air sleep, being like really high on. Well, that's a bad choice of words. On the OJ Mayo energy from that game. There was also there was the Miles Plumley. He goes around Maurice Spates's head, and yeah. he, Spates like starts charging him. Yeah, that was a crazy game. And I got an air sleep, and then I was watching uh, Mayo's post game stuff, 
as I walked to the bus to go and see an early showing of Star Wars The Force Awakens, which had come out that day. So that's how I remember that. I remember it like bleary-eyed going to see a Star Wars um, <laughs> after OJ Mayo had just like declared war on the Warriors. We were like, yeah, it's a real rivalry now, you know? The Rebels <laughs> so, versus the Alliance. Yeah, sure. Uh, a real rivalry that sparked up here. And yeah, they were on their way to an all-time great season and the books were just thoroughly underwhelming in every way. But that was the thing. When when they underachieved that season, though, like 24-1 and even that game, to me, it's like, there's your hope, you know? It's like the Warriors are just steamrolling everyone, but not the books, you know? The books found a way to be really competitive across two games and... Maybe maybe it was right to find some hope in that, or maybe it was very diluted and it just worked out in spite of that in the end. But um, yeah, I can I can definitely see why that one would stick out. I'm curious as to your answer to this, and we get similar answers to this, but we also kind of get different answers to this, but you are the first person to answer the question from outside of the US. And do you think there's anything special about being a books fan? Yeah, I've heard this be asked on the previous episodes, so I have thought about this somewhat. Um, and I would say, similar to David Dunn21's response, like, I wouldn't say... Th- there are unique elements, but there are also, like... I guess, f- for me, like, if my grandfather had moved to Sacramento, then I'd be a Kings fan, and, it, you know, sure. like, the sort of... It would be exactly the oh, well, not exactly the same, but it would be very similar, transplanted to a different team. So in that respect, you know, there are there are similar teams that have had similar struggles. Um, but I think there is the sort of unique elements that you know the Bucks were terrible for so long that there weren't any like bandwagon fans. If you saw some, especially in Australia, if you saw someone with it with a Bucks jersey, they didn't come across it by accident. Like, um, and I'm sure that's that's true in Milwaukee as well. You'd if they did, about- they came across it very cheap. Yeah, <laughs> um, which I'm sure it was the same in Milwaukee as well. You know, if you're going to games where the Bucks are winning 15, um, 15 games in a season, with it, what was it like? Those like twenty games for like two hundred bucks, hundred bucks. Like, you know, you you know, you're the diehards there. So there there is that sort of unique element um, to, to being a Bucks fan, somewhat um, in that respect. And also, I guess um, again, not that it's specific to the Bucks. But also, like, uh, particularly when I was started getting onto like online stuff with the Bucks, that sort of small, tight knit community, um, probably you know, much smaller and much more tight knit, maybe a little more diehard um, than maybe the bigger teams. Again, mm-hmm. not having the experience of that, but certainly you know you could. There were times there during like you know we were talking about 15, 16, 16, 17 season where you you know you could probably name everybody by Twitter handle. That were just like the core of Bucks Twitter. Now it's insane because the Bucks are a worldwide phenomenon and have won a ring. Um, you know, people coming in from all angles. But you know, at that point, it was a very tight knit community. Um, are you saying there's a bandwagon too? <laughs> I mean, there might be. I'm not saying there is, but there might. There's, there were an awful lot of people in the Deer District. That's what I'm saying. At Chance the Rapper. <laughs> <laughs> did I? Did any of you see the Brandon Jennings? For game six, he was in Kanye West's seats. Apparently, that's according to how Jim does that Ozarski. work? That's that's quite know. a detail. I don't know. Let's, you may let's not just have say seen Kanye that has a, a reputation for being very late. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> His albums. 
Diggy showed up like, no, actually, we know he didn't because he was busy. He was in other sporting arenas uh, <laughs> in, right. in the weeks after the Bucks won the championship. The the other thing I'm curious of for this question, because maybe, uh, one, I made these questions that I'm asking. Like, there's not a ghost rider. Jordan was consulted. Uh, he agreed. He stood behind them. Here we are. We're doing a podcast. But I think part of why I asked this question is probably because I feel there's something special about it. And I think part of this just become is down to the fact that this is the American sport that I follow, and this journey feels very rare and unique compared to the trajectory of teams in the sports I grew up with. Yeah. And I don't know if this translates to you, whether it be to cricket, whether it be to Aussie rules, whatever it might be, but the idea of a team like the books, it, this, you know, the draft is what opens the door for this in the first place. And um, the salary cap, the idea that there is some sort of, you know, fair system. It is just an idea, but it does, it does something. It does more than can be found in a lot of other sports, but I don't know. Did you find that, or maybe it's different than some of the sports you're, you're more um, interested in. But to me, I've always been taken by that. And also, just the idea where, particularly for me, I've talked about this before, something that's always hooked me is the idea of you can look back, and maybe not everyone does this, but if you look back, you're like, the books are great. Look at this. They were like, they were great at a level that very few franchises have been great over like a 20-year spell. You know what everyone says about the Spurs and everyone talks about the Spurs? You know, there's a time where people could have been like, yeah, you want to build something like the Milwaukee books. And that's amazing to think of considering what came next. But I just think the ups and downs of that, like it's it's impossible. It's completely improbable, if not impossible, in the sports that I grew up with to imagine a team in a market this small that had been this terrible, then ascending to have this moment. Is there anything to that for you too? Or I, I don't know, what is your view of that, of the dropping in as an overseas fan to American sports and kind of getting to go on this ride? No, I agree. There's absolutely something to that because, like you said, a lot of sports sort of outside of like the big four American sports are sort of, they're more year over year. You can construct, you know, with all free agents and win the title, be terrible the year after and then be back at it again. Um, so there's certainly that journey element to it where there isn't so much, or at least in Australian sports, as, as I've noticed, there isn't necessarily like that. Um, just given the way that a completely different structure of the sports in general, not having, not having drafts, um, mm-hmm. particularly rugby codes and AFL will, oh, well, the AFL has a draft, but it is, it's sort of, it's a much different sort of process. Uh, but certainly in the, in the rugby codes, these players are scattered when they're teenagers and then brought up through club systems, very similar to like uh, international football in Europe. Sure. Um, so yeah, there, there is that sort of difference. And I guess one thing that particularly drew, drew me to the NBA is that sort of macro environment of the of the league, the fact that you can have trades and there's the salary cap and free agency, and it's all sort of above board and transparent. Whereas in other sports overseas, it's it's much more shady and, and underlying, where you can't. There isn't that sort of element of speculation and projection that that is fun to sort of talk about. Um, so yeah, of course, that sort of the the dynamics of, of American sports sort of that drew me to the NBA uh, also in addition to the basketball um, in which I'd probably say that honestly, yeah, in the beginning, it was more of that macro side um, of the NBA and the conditions around it that sort of drew me into that because I found it interesting. And the fact that the information was so sort of readily available, we knew how much X player 
is earning and how this how this fits into another team or how this could fit into another team. We can speculate that's, trades and that's stuff. wild, right? I don't, I don't think Americans realize just how crazy the idea of that is. If your sporting kind of background is from outside of U.S. sports, almost non-existent in in Australian sports to to know exactly the amount that somebody earns and projecting how that plays into a team's future. Um, you get reports of somebody's on roughly this amount, you know, sure. in some, some sports in the, in the Australian NBL, for example, it's pretty hard to even find out what the salary cap is, let alone what player is earning what. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, it's, um, it's a thing truly unique to, to American sports. And I found a thing that drew me particularly to basketball. Cause it, I guess it was the sport that my country and, you know, it had, people from my country in it mm-hmm. um obviously there are Australians in the nfl but it's not quite the same a lot of, a lot of punters um whereas in the nba you know the you know guys scattered across the league genuine chances to to factor in real teams um contending for titles obviously we've seen a lot of australians end up with rings in the last couple of years um but yeah like i said frankly as much as the basketball those sort of conditions um and that plays into what you said the the sort of journey element um yeah, I hadn't considered it before you brought it up, but yeah, that certainly is a unique thing um, to that. And the Bucks certainly play into that. Um, almost feels as if you've grown up with the team somewhat. Um, I know that the first year I sort of upgraded internet good enough to have League Pass was 13-14. And so, you know, Giannis into the league. Um, obviously, the Bucks are pretty terrible, but the element of hope there. Um, so, yeah, you feel like you've come along the journey with the team. I guess, yeah, that certainly is unique. Yeah, and I get that too with the the player. The, there's a well, I need to remember the name of the guy. TJ Conlon. There was an Irish guy who is like three years ago, um, was on the New York Mets for like a week, and I was I was ready to become a full on Mets fan. <laughs> I was like I was like, how much gear can I order? And he lasted three games, I think, and I don't think he's beaten. Uh, Major League Baseball since, and I can only imagine what it's like to have a first overall pick land. Um, but yeah, the the last part you touch on too is like league pass, and it's it's funny you might encounter this too. Like I know there's a big difference in international league pass and league pass um, in the US, but it's it's a game changer just in terms of when people talk. And I, I guess we'll keep seeing it. We're now like the landscape of players in the NBA, even you've got these international stars that's going to continue. It's going to keep coming. And that's impossible without league pass. I'd also add the sort of the NBA's approach to uh, social media and copyright infringement is so far ahead of mm. every other league that has allowed them to grow and expand internationally. Um, like, I'm not sure if you have these issues in, in Europe or the U S but if sort of uh, Premier League is probably the, the worst for this, or certainly the Olympics. Um, if an account I follow from like NBC or uh, Sky Sports Premier League posts a video, I can't see it. Whereas My the, day the... job involves me posting sports clips that I geoblock. So sorry to uh, hold my hands up. <laughs> I'm on the wrong side of history on this one. But I think that has been a factor for the NBA growing so quickly and and particularly among young people particularly in australia as well um they seem to be the one league in in the world that and i mean that's a general statement but that sort of understands that by doing so 
they they can grow the league overseas. No, you're hundred percent right because as I said, I I do that work on social. I have to geoblock stuff and let me tell you, when people are like, Why why do people do this? And they get annoyed at broadcasters. <laughs> like the fact that the NBA allow that is incredible because I mean major, major organizations. If you were to accidentally put something out without the geo block that you know is because they they want to sell the rights to every region, you know, they want to sell mm-hmm. all yeah. the rights, yeah. spin them off. But it's like if you were to accidentally do that, it wouldn't be like, oh, it's okay, you're a broadcast partner, it's fine. Like they come down on the broadcasters like a ton of bricks. Like it's it's crazy. So the fact that the NBA take the complete opposite approach have enjoyed really good growth both domestically and internationally in terms of interest. And yet, other sports, other leagues are just like, no, no, we're just gonna, we're just gonna keep taking our little cuts of money here and there to sell off these rights is wild. So, great point. That's a, that's a big reason why people like you and I are here uh, talking about the NBA. Okay, let's get to, quite literally, the good stuff. What's your favorite moment of the championship run? This is another one I thought about, and it's like, I. I can't. I cast my mind back, and I forget about stuff. Like, sure, it was only like last week that I forgot that like Kevin Durant's bodyguard tried to fight PJ Tucker this playoffs. It just because every I, I got to watch every game live, um, so I was lucky enough for that. Um, but I found every game was just an absolute heart attack. So it felt like yeah. every game was years of my life. Um, so so much happened. Um, I think it is hard to go go past, and I guess it is sort of somewhat the easy answer. The, the block and the value are like iconic finals plays, top whatever all time, um, particularly given the context of Giannis bending his knee backwards like two weeks before. It's just a ridiculous, um, <laughs> absurd with that sort of context. But I guess sort of to give a different answer sort of beyond that, and even obviously all the Bobby Porter stuff was in, incredible. It's awesome to see the city get around a guy like that and him respond on court also. Um, the huge Chris Middleton games probably end up being one of my favorite thing. The fact that I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it seemed to be every time the Bucks were down and they really needed Chris to pull something out, it would be 20-point quarter, 35-point game. Um, what a ridiculous run um, and sort of the vindication of... Uh, what is it? The Chris course. Yeah, um, the Chris course. I, I love that. Uh, I'd completely forgotten it, so thank you for reminding me. We need to, we need to lead into that one. But w- what an absurd run from Middleton. Um, and I guess maybe just another thing that stands out more in general to me um, from the championship run is just that the Bucks took so many punches. It just seemed like you... They were down so many times, but you couldn't knock them over the edge. Um, obviously, they're very finite margins, Durant, Toe, whatever. Um, but it, it just felt like it was meant to be, the way they just hang tough, resilient dogs. Um, yeah, what, what a surreal run. Like, I still have trouble sort of letting, like, sinking in and realizing that it, that it happened. I forget about it all the time and then sort of remind myself, like, Oh, the Bucks won the title. Um, I, I did it I, last week. I tweeted about this. This happened to me yesterday. I saw Jim Paschke put out the tweet of him finally with the Larry O'Brien Trophy and looking so happy. And I was so happy to see Jim Paschke with the Larry O'Brien Trophy. <laughs> 
and it's like isn't that so cool you know and yeah it's it's so easy to kind of forget about maybe easier for us even because we weren't there we weren't at the parade or anything like that yeah, but yeah I'm, I'm sure jordan that you also have moments where you're just like oh yeah i forgot the oh. books are champions yeah it's you try to I don't know. It's just because it, it there as we're kind of going through the series and we talk about moments that stand out or whatever, and it's like in the moments, it was the process getting to the finals. I was just like, they made it. Like you know, like I I still kind of view the finals as like gravy, and obviously it was more than gravy. I mean, they you know won their first title in fifty years, but it was just my attitude toward. It's like. There's so many different ways that I look at the run, but the finals just so felt so weirdly detached for me because it's like they already did they did what I never thought they would do, and then they decided to win you know the damn thing and that's where it's like and to do it as Tim said in this you know coming back from two a two o deficit just as they had blown two years ago and these plays that it's the plays that just like wake you back to reality. And like that actually happened that, you know, Yadis did not get hurt, <laughs> suffered this long-term injury that would have, you know, sunk his and the Bucks future for potentially ever. And, uh, you know, just the block it's, it's the stuff like that drew ripping out the ball and having, the the wherewithal to throw a pass to a seven foot guy. I don't know if wherewithal is actually straight. the right term for that. Yeah, <laughs> he may have not all wherewithal in that situation. Did it anyway. It worked out. Yeah, it's like Bud's answer in the low post where he's like, "I'm just glad we had Giannis on our team." It's like, <laughs> yes, that that is like the most universal the feeling. All questions. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like that's. I think that's where the further removed from it the more I kind of view it in these different chapters. And I think as we get more removed from it and, you know, I will get to this question later, but you hope that this, there's not this long drought again, but I think you'll, the complete picture kind of starts to more come back into focus. You know, the the longer that we're kind of away from the moment. What did it mean to you, Tim, to actually see the books win a championship? I don't know if you want to take that. I know this is such a big, broad question. It's not easy. So if you want to pinpoint that you can go to your actual recollections of watching the game and how that felt, how you reacted in the moment, for you, time-wise, friendly enough? I mean, yeah. as long as work or whatever kind of accommodates that. Early, early-ish morning, but not too early? Yeah, sort of looking at like around lunchtime. Um Oh, great. Most games are starting like 11 and finishing like one to two. So it's like, it's the bulk of your day though. Um, and all yeah. the, the nervousness and the stress are absolutely like, all you can think about in the morning and then you sort of, the rest of the day is uh, guided by the result. Um, but yeah, uh, to answer your question, like like a weird sense of accomplishment. Like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't do anything. I Jeff Teague group project. Um <laughs> But like, as we were speaking earlier, to in, invest so much in this team over so many years, you know, the better half, better most of a decade, um, sort of in, you know, in like a weird way makes it seem worth it 
which is odd to say given that had they not won a title and they like Jordan said they'd only make the finals or you know if it ends up they never get to the final never happens but Giannis has an incredible career and ends up top x player of all time like that that also sort of vindicates it somewhat but it did feel like a, the emotional payoff for and I'm sure uh, both of you would feel the same and certainly others out there as well that have spent so much time thinking about this terrible basketball team um, <laughs> and then the the journey along that getting slowly better having the near misses that really sort of you know, as I spoke earlier they, they stunk um, thinking it was going to happen against the Raptors and then just brutal twists of fate um, the bubble derailing obviously I don't think any true I don't think any Bucks fans really feared that Giannis was going to leave but it was a legitimate cloud over there, there was always sure. the chance um, having those questions um, I, I always felt the urgency because it's like the Bucks are contenders now you don't know how long these windows are going to last usually they last shorter than you expect uh, we don't know how injuries are going to play out. We don't know how the rest of the league is going to sort of figure into this in terms of building teams that can compete, beat the Bucks. Um, so yeah, all of that sort of paying off. Um, obviously, yeah, I felt sort of, a, like I said, a, a weird uh, imposter somewhat sense of uh, accomplishment in that respect. But then I was also really happy that, you know, people like yourselves um, and that other Bucks fans that had been toiling for, for longer than I um, obviously you've had a few of them on this on this already talk about this sort of decades long odysseys with the bucks um, through absolutely everything really happy that those people got to have that sort of enjoyment um, and the, the payoff the ultimate payoff because I mean the, the NBA is such a tough league to win I'm not, I'm not sure there's a, a major um, sporting league in the world that is that is more difficult to win Um just even like we like we talk about the, the fact that you have to build year over year. It's not done. You can't just put a team together one season and, and we're all usually. Um, so yeah, to sort of circle around the question, um, uh, an odd sense of, of accomplishment, but also, yeah, just that emotional payoff um, and just joy for sort of our community to experience that. To hone in on something that I think this may well be me projecting, right? But the international fan aspect of this again. So you are an incredibly dedicated and have been for years. I know this Milwaukee Bucks fan. I don't know. Has anyone said this to you ever in your life? Nobody has to me, but I have often had the impression. People think I have lost my mind. People think (laughs) I'm crazy. I'm watching the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee. Where's Milwaukee? I'm devoting so much time to this basketball team at odd hours and maybe even odder errors in my case than, than sometimes it would be in your case. But to me, it definitely factored in when they got there and won it. Not that anyone knew enough, because that's, that's the thing in the first place, is that nobody even knows who they are, what's going on, essentially. So that's not like everyone's like, oh, they won. Although some people, you do get that. I don't know, do you have any sense of that or have you had over the years and how that then factors into this as a culmination for you as a fan? Well, I'm happy that all of my sort of um... your your family obviously know a bit more about. <laughs> yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm happy that sort of my faith in the Bucks and sort of my, uh, I mean, basketball takes is a weird way to put it, but you know, when I'm 
in person in Australia telling people about how good the Bucks are. I'm so happy that that has finally paid off because it would, <laughs> every playoffs would come around and people would be coming up to me. It's like, oh, what happened to the Bucks, mate? Like, you know, you said this was going to happen where Giannis is not going to be able to get it done. He should leave. Like, you know, because you, you're probably not getting, uh, let's just say like the level of, uh, people interacting with the NBA whilst it is getting more popular in, in Australia is sure. still, still pretty surface level. So the, you know, a lot of people just be, uh, probably wouldn't watch the bucks that much. Um, but yeah, they would just sort of talk all that crap about you. So I'm happy in that sense that it's, it's, it's actually it's, the way you've described it there is, and I, I think it's, I'd say it's similar here to people pass. It's like the kind of first take type yep, stuff yep. that we like, it's that is the surface level stuff that breaks through and just carries kind of weight, no matter what level of interest you have in it. I'll I'll talk to people at like pickup games that would just be like throwing whatever they've seen on social media that Stephen A. said Stephen A. Smith has said about the Bucks at me, and it's like you can't you can't reason with these people. Sure, <laughs> um, it's just you know you just sort of laugh it off and whatever. But it's all it's all good fun. But I, I in that respect, I am so, somewhat happy that like. The, the years of wearing the buck shirts around have, have paid off. Um, certainly, yeah, my my immediate circles knew sort of how, how significant it was. Um, but yeah, I guess a weird way of answering the question. No, that that's a perfectly good answer. Is there any one thing, or maybe it is just it's one of the plays we already talked about that to you, you think will be just a memory that's kind of burned in your brain that when you think of the Bucks won a championship. What's the image you're going to see? Well, I mean, never trust the Bucks. So I was absolutely not convinced that it was happening until like the buzzer or like it was out of reach. And even then, because, um, you know, there were several times where Bucks had won games throughout these playoffs when they ended up not winning or very close. Um, the Nets, what was it? Game five for one. And then Hawks. Uh, was it game five or six that it looked like they were going to come game back? Game six, they were, yeah. they were home and it was like, oh, they're mm. in the finals until the game was alive again. And yeah, it was scary. A PJ Tucker three after like seven missed threes or whatever it was. <laughs> so yeah, that, the old adage there of, of never trust the Bucks. But like my sort of, to answer the question, like the one sort of moment, um, watching uh, Giannis and, and Bud and Chris sort of come together after they won mm-hmm. confetti falling. Like that is an absolute dream moment to something you, I mean, honestly, do you, you really think it was ever going to happen? Like with an absolute certainty, absolutely not. You, it's the sort of thing you hope to happen. Um, and it's just, again, it's, it's still surreal that it's, that it's paid off. Um, but yeah, that, that will sort of stick out to me aside from like the basketball plays, like that, obviously the, the alley-oop, um, incredible the block um even i forgot to mention it before but drew holiday coming up clutch in in game seven against the nets after starting what was he like five for 23 um yeah, it was okay. completely flipping the narrative um i can't believe people called him drew bledsoe during the, the playoffs um but, but here we are um but yeah like i said that that image of of Giannis and chris embracing with bud and then particularly Giannis, absolute maniac um telling bud like literally seconds after they'd won that, that they want to do it again. Um, and I mean, I believe it because he, like I said, he's a, he's a maniac. He's going to work so hard for it. Breakfast club of champions last, but definitely not least. Just think they're going to have to wait 50 years to do it all again. Probably not. I think obviously there's a real shot at repeating slash finding another way, uh, 
to the title. As long as you've got Giannis, you're always going to be a contender. Um, you know, well, Bucks obviously that with all titles, there's some element of luck. Bucks certainly used theirs, um, made up for you know the previous twenty five of bad luck, maybe longer. Um, so yeah, there's always going to be that that sort of shot with Giannis. We'll see what the roster sort of looks like year to year around him as to whether they're able to make a run, whether the the dominoes um, fall in the right way. Um, I'm not sure coming into this season, it's been an awfully quick off season. That's what I, I feel like that as sure well. Has. Is why the <sighs> they're trying to yeah. get on. We're moving this thing on, so yeah. the books aren't champions anymore. It's very <laughs> upsetting. I think that as well has sort of led me to not overlook, but continually forget that the the Bucks won the title. Um, like I only re- I only received my championship gear like a week ago, and that was another like, oh yeah, the Bucks won. Like. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I still haven't got my finals hat, which I just assume is not going to come now. I've got a champion's hat, yeah. uh, but I, I, you know, there was a time where I thought maybe. Don't worry, I saw it at Dick's Sporting Goods for fifty percent <laughs> off. They're like clearing it out now. They're like it's Packers season. We got to open up some room over here. We, we might have to get you to mail one over, Jordan. This has been a lot of fun, Tim. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a long time since we've had you. Way too long since we've had you on the pod. And you're someone that once we decided we want to do this and we're thinking, who do we want to have on? You're one of the first people who came to mind because one, you always have really smart takes on the books. We know you've been around a long time and much like it turned out with your answers, I thought, oh, Tim will have a, an interesting perspective on it too. So really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. No, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Jordan, for having me back and thinking to have me back. That's that's great. Thank you. Before we wrap up, is there anywhere you want to tell the people where they could find you? I don't know. Do you want Twitter followers? You might be like me and you're like, it's okay. Or yeah, you, you have your own podcast, I believe, right? Well, yeah, I'm very sporadic on Twitter at the moment, but you can find me at Tim R. Ray on Twitter. And yeah, also, if I do appear anywhere on the internet, it'll be at beyondthefence.com.au. Um, mostly Australian-based stuff. Um, probably not talking as much about the Bucks um, recently, given, you know, everybody has covered that. But yeah, Formula One, sports cards, yeah. Formula One interest is booming, so you might well have some people who take you up on that. Um, that is that is it for us for now. Um, again, this was a lot of fun. We hope you're all enjoying these episodes. Please do let us know if you are. Because we'll we'll keep them going for a little while longer, and um, we we have plenty of other guests in mind that we could reach out to. So it's a question of if people are enjoying it, if you let us know you're enjoying it, we can keep this going for for another little while yet. So until the next time, make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. Go and subscribe at gspn.substack.com. That's where you'll get all our podcasts, all our videos, but you'll also get all sorts of other random stuff we put up there like johnny mac on a tractor exactly i wrote about go. johnny mac on a tractor today <laughs> if you don't know about johnny mac on a tractor <laughs> you need to go and sign up to gspn.substack.com and find out and it's it's not there's no clickbait right jordan like no it's if you want johnny mac on a tractor you go to gspn larry Cassell on, on a mower you know we've got tractors we've got mowers that's the kind of stuff we've got at the gspn substack so make sure you go and check that out too. That's all. I think that's all we've got for now. Um, go read my Jordan's Bob Dandridge piece. That's that's the other. That's the real the real piece of work we've done 
lately. But Dandridge, of course, was inducted to the Hall of Fame. We wrote about that. We wrote about his journey. But yes, also, if you want to see Johnny Mac on a tractor, <laughs> pin up that he was at the turn of, you know, 60s into the 70s. We've got, that we've got the goods. That lawn was a grilled cheese that day. Yeah. It sure was. Pop-up zone. Got <laughs> Until the next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, us. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.